At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. Man, oh man. Here we are, 2024, and I'm so grateful uh, to be here, to be with all of you, and to I feel like this is a home away from home for me, and I just am so grateful for the connection that we have. I look around the room, and while I don't know everybody in the room, I do see some faces of, of what people that I would call my friends, and and I'm grateful for that. Thank you, thank you for being who you are as a as a church, and thank you for welcoming me and being being very kind to me and uh, allowing me to come back. Like um, I, I was you know, here in October. And you still had me in January, even after that. So <laughs> thank you. And one of the things I love about Word First is, is at our church, we don't do a beginning of the year conference. And, and I kind of wish we did, but at the same time, I'm kind of glad we don't because I get to come here. And so I'm grateful that you do it. And then I don't have the headaches of having to do it. I, I just get to come and be a part of, be, be a part of yours. <laughs> and, and I believe that every single one of us, we're in the, we're in the right place at the right time. Life gets better starting right now. If you'll have the faith to believe it. Because the Bible says that where two or three gather together in his name, there he is also. And I'm just of the opinion that wherever God is, life has to start getting better right there. Right there at that place. And, I'm, and I have good news for you. God is here tonight. And because he's here, life gets better. That means he has something to say. He has something to deposit into our hearts and to our lives to transform us and to help us as we go forward in this journey of 2024. Here we are. We're starting, we're starting a new year. And I would say there's going to be some things you're going to have to take some courage in. You're going to have to take some steps of faith. You're going to have to go forward. If we're going to go from faith to faith and from glory to glory, then that means that we've got to participate in this process and we've got to take some steps. We walk by faith. God don't walk by faith. We walk by faith. Our faith is in Him, but we have to actually put one foot in front of the other. And so this, I, I'm believing this for you, that this is going to be a year of forward movement for you. Um, but I, I would encourage you, I would encourage you, while, while I do uh, think it's important to have some good confirmation in your life, that, listen, you don't have to wait for a consensus to say yes to God. You don't have to get the opinions of all the, all the people around you and all your friends. You can actually just say yes to God and go forward. It, but that takes courage. It takes courage. Uh, I, I did read something funny that said... Uh, uh, before I start my 2024 weight loss program, does anybody like me chubby? <laughs> you just have, you know, at a, at a, at a certain point, you, you, don't, you don't have to take a consensus. You just got to make the choice and go forward and step into some new things, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I, have, I have just a thought I want to share with you tonight that I, that I hope will uh, encourage you and just remind you. I love the theme that we're on it. I just want to remind you that, that God is still on your side today. True. And you're in, as I already said, you're in the right place at the right time. And, and, and I will tell you this, I, I believe this about God enough to say everything's going to be all right. Yeah. 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 Everything's going to be okay. What, whatever's standing in front of you, whatever challenge you may be facing, whatever dream that seems too big to come to pass, I'm telling you, everything's going to be okay. God is for you. And he's going to take your life forward. Yes? Amen. So Ephesians chapter 5 is where I'm going to start. And while you're turning there, if you have a Bible, I mean, if you're a good Christian, you would have one, but... 
No, I, I, don't you love technology where you don't even have to bring your Bible? They'll just put it on the screen for you. It's, it's awesome. My dad used to say when he was a youth pastor, you know what going to church without your Bible is like? It's like going through the lunch line without a tray. <laughs> like, what are you supposed to do with all that stuff? You don't have anywhere to put it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this night. Lord, I ask you to speak to us by your word and by your spirit. We open our hearts as good ground tonight to receive the seed of your word. And Lord, I believe that that seed sown in our hearts is going to produce fruit that looks like joy, fruit that looks like peace, fruit that looks like hope, fruit that looks like faith, fruit that looks like victory. Lord, we thank you. We thank you in advance for what you're going to speak to us tonight. Jesus, we place you as Lord over this time. Holy Spirit, have your way. Lead and guide us to truth in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Say something nice to your neighbor. Tell them how pretty they are. Whatever. Just find something good to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read Ephesians 5 from the New King James Bible. New King James is the translation I'm using tonight. Uh, the, the theme is in the New Living Translation, which is, which is beautiful, but you know, this, this is part of the rebellious side of me. I'm just going to do it my way. No, just kidding. They, they all say it wonderfully. They all say it wonderfully. Um, Ephesians 5, verse 15, starting in verse 15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Some translations say, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. It says there's a reason why we should make the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Now, that can sound like, oh my gosh, i got to do something because the days are evil. And then maybe that's the case. But at the same time, I also would submit to you that the Bible is saying, even though the days are evil, there's still opportunities. Just because things go bad and stuff's falling apart all around doesn't mean you've lost all your chances. That means even in the midst of the evil days, there's opportunity. There's a difference that you can make in the world no matter what's happening around you. Doesn't matter how evil it is. You can still make a difference. You still have opportunity and you still have time. Time and opportunity work together. We get these appointed times. One of the, I've I, I probably said this in the many times that I've come here, but, but one of the thi things that we face, I, I'll say it this way, one of the things that we face, many things that we face, the challenges that we face, we, we can oftentimes refer to them as the giants of our life. We find these giants, and we've got to overcome these proverbial giants. But there is one giant that I think that we collectively as a people, not just Christians, but I just think people in general, I think there's one giant that we struggle with more than any of the other giants, and that's the time giant. When things don't happen in the time that we think they're supposed to. Yeah, that's right. So good. We, and we'll say things like, God, in your time. And then a few minutes later, we're going, it ain't time yet. Where are you, God? Have you, are you even listening to me? And then we start wondering why God hasn't brought some things to pass for us. And we're wondering why things haven't happened, even though we've stood on the word and we've made declarations and, and we're, we're standing there and saying, I, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm giving, I'm, I'm praying, I'm, I'm going to church, I'm, I'm reading my Bible. Why is this stuff not happening, God? Why is this stuff not happening? Where are you? And then the worst part, too, in this whole journey is oftentimes we'll turn it on us and start saying things like, what have I done wrong? And see, at that moment, at that moment, what happens is we have a tendency because we've convinced ourselves that we must be doing something wrong. We take this sword of the Spirit and we put it down. 
And the devil would love nothing more than for you to put that down. But it doesn't matter how long the time takes. The book of Proverbs says that hope delayed or hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when this delay happens, and it's not, we have this hope. Today we come, we come to Word Conference, we get charged up, we're going to believe, and we have this hope, and then it's not happening in our time frame. And then we get discouraged. We get disappointed. And, and, and I will just tell you, it's not God's fault. And I would also encourage you, just trust Him. The book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 26, I believe it's verse 3, says that you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Even though we're in this journey and it does take time and sometimes it seems to take a little longer than we would like for it to take, if we just keep our mind on him, then he'll keep us in peace all the way to the end where the promise is fulfilled, the word comes to pass. The harvest shows up that's been attached to that seed all along. And we, st- we keep trusting him, and he keeps us in peace all the way. There, there is a, an, an, another verse of Scripture in the Bible um, that, that puts time and opportunity together. And, and it's found in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 9, and, and it says this. Uh, this is verse 11, Ecclesiastes 9:11. It says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to all. And, and this word chance, it, it means a couple of things. If you, had a, if you had a Hebrew dictionary, what you would find is that this word chance means uh, one of the ways that can be said is the chance of a lifetime. Anybody ever had those? Like, like this, is just an, this is just a moment of a lifetime. You may not get another opportunity like this ever right? Like, like Texas going to the playoffs. Like this chance of a lifetime. Mm. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, they, they cheated their way there. But uh, they got there. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We got to stay on the word. This is what changes our lives, not, not football. Uh, but but the, the, the chance of a lifetime is, is kind of what this means. But it also means, it also means an appointed or, or, or a presented opportunity. So then, then I would say it this way, that time and opportunity happens for everybody. So here's what this is saying. The race doesn't always go to the one that's the fastest, nor does the battle go to the one who's always the strongest, nor does wealth go to the one who has the most understanding, nor does favor go to the one who is the wisest. But here's what you need to understand, that there is a time and there is an opportunity that is available to anyone. That means you don't have to be the very best at anything. All you have to do is just say yes to the opportunity when it presents itself and take a step of faith. We disqualify ourselves so many times because we look at us and we say, well, I can, and I'm not good at that. And I'm not. The opportunity didn't come to anybody else. The opportunity came to you. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Amen. Because it did, you should say yes to it. Yep. Because there are those, I'll use the, the Bible term here, there are those chance encounters. Now, we know that when we're, you're following God, it's not, it's not a mere accidental chance. God's ordering our steps. Yeah. But it does appear in the natural, like, like this just kind of out of nowhere thing. Yeah. I think about a guy named Ted. Ted was walking down Madison Avenue one winter. I say walking down Madison Avenue. He wasn't really walking. He was marching. He was marching because he was mad. You ever seen anybody walk like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you married? You probably have seen that. <laughs> or you've heard it in the house and you know 
you better hide, go outside, start working in the yard or something. You know, it's like, get busy, because here comes the march. <laughs> you know, and, and, and the reason why Ted was angry is he's, he's marching down Madison Avenue, and, and he has under his arm um, a manuscript that, that he's talking to. He's actually talking to the manuscript, and, and he's saying things like, oh, do I have plans for you? And the plans that he had was, was a, a combined uh, a conflagration, which, which he was going to go home and take this manuscript and put it in the fireplace and burn it and get it out of his life forever. He said, I'm so tired of you. And the reason why he was disappointed and he was so angry at this manuscript and was decided that he was going to burn it is because he had just left a publisher that had told him that his manuscript was no good. And it wasn't just a publisher. It was the 27th publisher that had told him his manuscript was no good. And as he marched down Madison Avenue, focused on the ultimate plan of ridding himself of this thing that has tortured his soul, he heard someone say, Ted, Ted, is that you? And he stops and he turns around and there stands a guy named Mike McClintock. And Mike McClintock was Ted's friend at Dartmouth University. And he said, Ted, what are you doing here? He said, he said I'm, I'm busy. I've got somewhere to go. He said, no, 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 no. Ted, wait, 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 wait. wait. I, I, just got, I just got hired at this company right here. Why don't you come in? I want to show you my new office. Ted was like, I really don't have time for this. He said, just come sit in my office. I want to talk to you for a minute. Let me show you. I just got hired this morning. And so Ted reluctantly agrees, and he walks in to Mike's building, headed to his office, and he realized that the building that he had walked into was a publishing company, one that he had not been to before, one he actually didn't know existed. It was called Vanguard Publishing. And as he sat in Mike's office, Mike said to him, let me tell you why I have been hired. He said, I was hired this morning with one assignment. Go find all the writers who the other publishers rejected and print their work. Wow. He said, what do you got under your arm there, Ted? And, and Ted honestly didn't even want to show it to him because he, he didn't want to hear it one more time. But he said, I got this. Well, as you might guess... They published Ted's work, and Ted got famous. The manuscript that he had under his arm that day was a manuscript called, And to Think That I Saw It All on Mulberry Street, which was followed by a book, Cat in the Hat, which was followed by How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and then became Horton, Here's a Who, Theodore, Ted, Geisel, the one that we know as Dr. Seuss, because of a chance encounter. But an opportunity presented itself. And we all reap the joy and the benefit of the opportunity that happened to him. Even later, Dr. Sue said, if I had been walking on the other side of Madison Avenue, I'd be in the dry cleaning business today. <laughs> I believe there are opportunities that God wants you to walk into. He's ready but as I said a moment ago, you've got to do the walking. Come on. Mm -hmm. With these opportunities come the partner of opportunities. And 
I believe that is time and timing. And the Bible is, I believe, helps us with some of this understanding that things are within God's hands. And yes, we, we activate them by faith, no doubt, and we proclaim God's word and we stand on God's word. And, um, and Jesus said it like this to, to several people throughout his ministry, be it to you according to your faith. That means that there is a willingness on God's part to bring you into these miraculous opportunities if you'll stand in faith. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and some, some, of it, some of it has to do with this time giant, though. There, there's timing, and we get restless. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter uh, 12 and verse 3, verse 2 says that we're looking at Jesus. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But then verse 3 says, if you stop looking at him, you get weary and discouraged. So we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, trusting him, as I said, keep your mind stayed on the Lord, and he's going to take you forward. There's this very interesting story in the Bible found in 2 Kings. It's actually recorded in, starts in 2 Kings chapter 4 and concludes, roughly kind of concludes in 2 Kings chapter 8. And it's about this prophet named Elisha. And Elisha's out doing what prophets did during that day, prophesying and doing signs and wonders and miracles. And Elisha's out doing this and he passes a woman's house and, and she's, the Bible doesn't give her a name other than to let us know that she was a woman of Shunem. So she was referred to as the Shunammite woman. And the Shunammite woman says, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to come into my house and, and I want to feed you. So he does and then and she ends up building a room on her house just for him so when he passed by that he could stop in there. And then the prophet says to her, what do you want from me? And she says, I don't want anything. And then he ends up prophesying to her that she's going to have a child. Now, we don't know any history of this woman, but clearly by her response, this was not something she was willing to accept because she said, don't say that to me. Which means, to me, how many times has she tried and it hadn't happened? How many times was she believing and it hadn't happened? How many times was she crying out to God and it still hadn't happened? And so she reached this point of discouragement and frustration and disappointment to the, to the point that when the prophet actually said it's going to happen, she goes, I don't want to hear that. And that if you're not careful, there are times where you can stand in faith and things are not happening in the right time and you come to church and Pastor Bird says, keep believing God. And your soul will say, I don't want to hear that. I've been doing that, and that hadn't happened. And I'm telling you, fight that with everything that you've got on the inside of you. That is not God's plan for you to fight what his plan is. You need to stand in faith and say, no, I'm going to keep believing. Come hell or high water, I'm going to keep believing. Even if everything in my life looks like it headed the opposite direction that it's supposed to be going, I'm going to still believe God. Well, within a year, she did have a son. And then one day, the son was out in the field with the dad, and the son many believe, had a heat stroke. He said his head started hurting and he died. She took the son into the prophet's room and laid him on the prophet's bed and then she goes to see the prophet and as she's showing up, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, sees her and says, look, there's the Shunammite woman and Elisha says, go see what she wants. And so Gehazi goes and goes, everything okay? She goes, it, it is well. Can, can, I just, can I just tell you something, folks? It wasn't well. In the natural. But this is a woman who had already experienced some time delay, found some disappointment, but then God showed up at the right time. And if God's going to intervene like that, even when it looks like things get maybe off course a little bit, we're still going to believe. And we're going to keep our confession right. Mm -hmm. 
The Bible says of Abraham that he was willing to sacrifice Isaac because God had promised that son to him, and he was so willing to sacrifice him because he was convinced that even if he did sacrifice him, God was going to raise him from the dead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. He knew God to be true to his word, and this woman said, it's well. And he said, so then they say, how's your husband? It is well. How's your son? It is well. Oh, by the way, he's dead. So then through a course of a couple of events, the, the prophet ends up back at the house with her, goes into the room, raises the boy from the dead. And then from there, he goes and has other miracles of they lose an axe head in the water, and he makes the axe head float. And so he's having all these really incredible things happening in his ministry. And then he gets a word from the Lord that there's famine coming. And he goes to the Shunammite woman, and he says, you need to leave. You need to leave the land because there's famine coming for the next seven years. And so she leaves. She packs up her stuff and leaves. She leaves the land. And in part, something you have to know about the Shunammite woman is, is she's a Gentile woman in amongst Jewish people. And so he says to her, you need to go. And so she packs up. Trust the prophet, of course. I mean, he just, he just prophesied a son. The son came, raised the son from the dead. How many of you at that point just start believing what the guy says? Right? It's like, I'm not arguing anymore. There comes a point in your journey with the Lord when the Lord has done so many things in your life, you've got to stop arguing with him. Amen. Okay, so she leaves the land. Seven years pass, and she comes back. She comes back to the land, and people had moved into her house. People had taken over her land. People had taken over her house. They were farming her land, growing crops on her land. And she says, I'm going to see the king. Now, I want to remind you, this is a Jewish woman among Jewish people, and there's a Jewish king on the throne. And she says, I'm going to talk to the king about this. I will just tell you, in the natural, if you understand anything about the Jewish culture, you understand there's not a chance this woman's getting her house back. Not a chance. But she says, I'm going. While she's on her way, Gehazi, Elisha's servant, happens to be at the palace. And in this moment, the king says, hey, Gehazi, tell me what Elisha's been up to. He goes, oh, man, i got to tell you some stuff. He said, there's this Shunammite woman. She built a house had a son, the prophet raised the son from the dead. Then we went over to his axe head, and it was sunk in the water, and the prophet brings it back up to the top, and, and, then, and, then, and, 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 and he actually starts with all that, and then he says, and there was this woman, and the prophet raised her from the de- raised her son from the dead, and it was amazing all the things that he did for this one woman who built a house, and it, as he's telling her story, she walks into the palace, and the, and the, and the servant says, king, there she is. That's her. The king says, what? That's her. That's the woman who had the son, who built the house, the room on the house, whose son came back from the dead. And the king says, come here, come here, come here, come here. He brings a woman. He goes, tell me what happened. And so she tells him, here's what happened. But then she didn't stop with what happened. She goes, oh, and by the way, the prophet told me to leave seven years ago, and I left. And when I came back, there were people living in my house. There were people that were farming my land. And he goes, no, 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 this, this is not going to be okay. He turns to the captain of his guard and he says, you, go with her, go to her house, throw those people out of her house, kick them off of her land, give her her land back, her house back, and you give her the profits of the last seven years yeah. that were taken off of her land. Yeah. Yeah. Just mere chance? No, there was a timing that was happening. And I'm here tonight to tell you, there's somebody... Somewhere 
talking about you right now. There's someone telling your story, and God's lining it up. When you step into that moment, then the, the favor's going to be there. The faith is going to be there. The answer's going to be there. The provision's going to be there because God is on your side, and he is controlling this timing. Trust him. He's making a way right now. Trust him. Leave the timing to him. Stop trying to get him to fit your clock. And you just trust him and believe the answer is going to show up at exactly the right time. Amen? Okay, all right. Can, can, can we handle a little bit more? Can we keep going? Amen. Amen. And, and within this timing, listen, there's an opportunity and you've got to seize it. The king asked this woman to just tell him what Elisha did. But she did more than that. She took an extra step and said, oh, and by the way, my house was stolen. So when the opportunity comes, you have to seize it. You have to say yes to it. You have to jump into it. You have to take advantage of that moment. Make the most of the opportunity. As I said, the opportunity came to you. It didn't come to anybody else. It came to you. That's, that's proof enough that it's your moment. Amen. Amen. But there are some things. I, I would just say this. There are some things that you need to think about. It. David... In 1 Samuel chapter 16, David has been anointed the king. And David, uh, in front of all of his brothers, right? Mm -hmm. he gets, he, he's, out, he's out in the sheep field. Mm -hmm. They forget that they even have a son. How valuable does that son feel? They're like, oh, yeah, I do have one more. What's his, what's his name? What's his name? No, 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 it's, it's, it's David. Oh, oh yeah, yeah get, get him. And he comes, and, 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 and the prophet anoints him to be the king in front of all of his brothers, anoints him to be the king. And, man, it's, it's his moment. And then you know what David did next? He went back to the sheep field. Mm -hmm. You see, there are these moments, and I want to help you with your perspective. There are these moments where we have these interventions from God, and God speaks to us, and we get a word from God. And our very next step is just keep doing what we've been doing. We want, we want what God spoke to happen right, start right now. Yeah. But sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it doesn't happen because there's some things we need to learn. We're a little bit dumb right now, and we've got to learn how to grow into this thing that God has just spoken over our lives. I don't mean that as an insult. I just mean we're, we're limited in our understanding. God needs to help us get to a place where we can actually step into the fullness of his word. <clears throat> so David goes back to keep sheep. Well, then his dad calls him and says, hey, I need you to deliver some bread and cheese to your brothers who are out on the battlefield. And then David goes. And he's there, and he's, we know the story, right? I mean, he's, <clears throat> he's talking to, to, to the people around, like, what happens to the guy that kills the giant? He asks three times. I don't know if y'all know that in the story. Like, they're like, he's, he gets riches, no taxes, and the king's daughter. And he's like, awesome. You, tell me again what happens to the guy. Well, he gets riches, he gets no taxes, and he gets the king's daughter. Man, that's amazing. And then his older brother comes in and chews him out, and he's like, hey, leave me alone. I, I'm here on purpose. Is there not a cause? He's looking at this guy, you know, at the giant. He goes, is there not a cause? And he turns on the next guy. He goes, tell me again what happens to the guy. <laughs> and I love that David, well, this may be a little bit crude. I'm not trying to be crude. But David's response when Goliath comes out, he's like, who, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, clearly, David's speaking to the covenant relationship that they have with God. 
But on the other hand, on the other hand, I kind of think he's saying, guys, just hear me. On the other hand, I kind of think he's saying, we've been circumcised. Surely we're tougher than this guy. But then the king hears these rumblings about this boy that wants to fight the giant, and he brings him to him. And he says, who are you? And he tells him who he is. And he says, what do you do? And David says, I used to keep sheep. He was keeping sheep five minutes ago. He was anointed king and went back to keeping sheep. But now he's standing at a moment that is like no other moment in his life. This is the moment that he knows he's stepping forward into his destiny. And in order for you to step forward into this opportunity that God presents, there are some things in your life that you have to mark off as a used to. I used to behave that way. I used to talk that way. I used to act like that. But now I'm somebody new. And I used to do that. And that's no longer. I used to be depressed. But now I'm full of hope. Amen. Amen. When the opportunity presents itself, you've got to draw a line and say, that's behind me and now I'm going forward. So how do we make the most of these opportunities when they come? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. And it starts with an attitude of your heart. And I believe you make the most out of your opportunities when you are predisposed to give your life away to it and to people. Recognizing that the opportunities that come to you and to me are not solely about you and me. They're about other people. Just like God is getting people in line to tell your story and to get lined up for your purpose, He's also lining you up for other people's purposes and plans. We're part of a big, giant plan. And the reason why we should say yes to these opportunities is because we have a faith that says, if I say yes, this very likely is going to set up the yes for someone else. Opportunities are big. They're They're not just small things when they're presented to you. Don't take them lightly. Make the most of it. Colossians, the version in Colossians that talks about redeeming the time or making the most of the, of the opportunity is in context to how you are taking the moment when you're with non-believers. Yeah. Yeah. It says when you're with the non-believer, make the most of that opportunity. Yes. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. Make the most of the opportunity. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 1 says this. It says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. Now this is allegory. This is, this is allegorical language. Anybody ever gone to a, to a park or a pond and there were some ducks and you took some bread and you fed the ducks? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, a few of you. Good. You, you fed the ducks. How many of you, after you put the bread on the water, you wanted it back? No. But the Bible says, here, cast your bread on the water, and after many days you'll find it. Like, that's good news. <laughs> I don't know if I want that, wa- that bread back after it's been in the water. 
But what we understand about the allegory of this is, is that these things symbolize specific things, and your bread actually is your substance. It's who you are. It's everything that makes you you. It, it, it's your faith. It's your, it's your hope. It's your experiences. It's your smile. It's your kindness. It's, it's everything that makes you uniquely you. You take that, and it says, cast that on the water. Well, waters in the, in the Bible represent masses of people. So he says, take your life, give it away to the people, and in doing that is when you find life. When you give your life away, it's when you find life. Real living in the kingdom of God is when you are living your life in such a way that it makes a difference in somebody else's life. That's real abundant living, I believe, from John 10, 10. That when you're living your life, and by the actions of you, of, you, of your, your faith, your journey with the Lord, you're making a difference in someone else's life. I heard a story about a guy that His uh, son was running out to the car. They were late for school. Mom was in the car, runs out to the car through the garage. Un unbeknownst to the boy or to the mom or to anybody, he tripped over an extension cord or kicked an extension cord and unplugged their freezer in the garage. And the freezer had $400 of meat in it. So... They go on through the day. Mom goes to work. Son goes to school. Dad's at work. At the end of the day, the wife's pulling into the garage, and she sees this big puddle of water under the freezer. And then she sees that it's been unplugged and kind of figures out how that happened. When you open the freezer, all the meat had thawed, all of it. And if you know, you can't refreeze meat. You're not supposed to. So here they are with $400 worth of meat that they can't eat themselves. It's going to ruin. It's going to spoil. She calls her husband and she says, what do we do? We have all this meat. He says, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. You call the neighbors, you call the family. We're going to start grilling some meat tonight. <laughs> and you tell them not to worry about dinner, we're going to provide dinner. And they cooked $400 worth of meat fed their neighbors, fed their family members. At the end of the night, the dad was just like, surely there's a lesson to be learned here. <laughs> and what came to his mind was this, that life is perishable. And you have a choice of what to do with that life that you have. You can either give it away or at the end of your life, your life can just be thrown away. You have the choice. What are you going to do with the opportunities that are presented to you? What kind of difference are you willing to make in the lives of the people that are in your life? Are you just going to coast through life and at the end of it just have a pile of hopes and dreams that never came to pass? As I said Colossians put this in the con puts this in the context of being around non-believers. 
And, and I, I, I want to encourage you, while the Bible is very clear that our, our, the relationships that sustain us, the relationships that build us, the relationships that take our lives forward are the relationships that we form within God's house. Okay? We keep that, those relationships strong. But we have encounters. And we have moments with people. They're not a faith. They're not believers. They don't, they don't know Christ. I sat with a lady the other day. <clears throat> she's, she's a lady in our church. And she's, uh, she's been home. She's, she's almost 80 years old. And she's been home not feeling well. And I went over to see her. And, and I, I went with my mother-in-law. And I, I wish my mother-in-law was here. I wish y'all, y'all could see her. My mother-in-law is, is the most incredible woman I've ever met, next, along with my mom. She's sitting here, so i got to say it. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> my, mother-in-law, my mother-in-law is amazing. She, uh, my wife is the youngest of eight kids and, and seven girls. Sweet Jesus. And they all live around us. There, there's one boy, and they all live around us except for the boy. He moved to Florida. And I'm like, bro, I get it. I get it, man. I get it. <clears throat> but um, just after my wife was born, her dad left the house. And my mother-in-law had some tough choices to make because she wasn't the provider for the home. Her husband was the provider. And from one day to the next, she went from having to absolute poverty. And she did what, what a lot of people won't do. She pulled her big boy pants up, strapped on her boots, and went to work. And it was in that period of her life where she came to know Jesus Christ. And she started going to church. And she heard about the saving grace of God and the walk of faith. She heard about giving, tithing. And she started doing it. Started just participating God's way. And just just doing it. Until she with the hand of God, no doubt, the grace of God, but she single-handedly brought her family out of poverty. And now all of her kids, all of them, serve Jesus, they love Jesus. All the ones that are in our area are active members of our church. Their families walk with God, believe God, trust God. So she had, as I said, she had some hard choices, but she did it. She did it by walking the path God's way. Uh, Psalm 65 verse 11 says, Lord, you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. It's important that we recognize it's his path that drips with abundance, not our path. We've we got to get on his path because in that path, there's an abundance that will drip off of your life. <clears throat> and so she started doing that. Well, I didn't lose track. I'm sitting with the other lady in our church who for many years worked at the same factory that my mother-in-law worked at. And so my mother-in-law is with me to go see this lady. This was just this past Sunday. And, and, and I'm sitting talking to the, to the lady, and she says, you know, <clears throat> she said, I, uh, I wasn't living for God. I didn't have a relationship with God, and 
didn't really want much to do with God because of the religious experience that I did have was condemning and ugly. And She said, but every day I show up to work and there was this woman that I worked with and every day I would show up and she'd have a smile on her face. She'd say, good morning, how are you? She said, and I knew, I knew this woman has just lost her husband. This woman's having to work hard. She's got eight kids. And she said, not one day did I see her discouraged. Not one day did I see her hopeless. Not one day did I, did I see her come into work crying. She said, and I just would show up every day. And she said, I was frustrated. I was disappointed with my life. But then I would look at her life and I'm like, how are you doing that? <laughs> she said, and today, today, and for many years now, she said, I'm confident I'm on my way to heaven and I have faith in Jesus Christ. And I've seen God do miraculous things in my life and in my family. She said, but it was because there was a person that showed me what Jesus looked like. And she said, when I saw what Jesus looked like, I said, that's the Jesus I want. We don't have to be hardcore. Let me just cram the gospel down your throat. We just have to be the Jesus that they need to see. That's right. The book of Jude has one chapter. So Jude chapter 1 and verse 22 says this. It says, have compassion and make a difference. One translation says, making a distinction. Another translation, translation says, Leave a mark. That means that when people come in contact with you, they ought to walk away with something burned into them. That's like, man, I can't get away from that. that they left a mark on my life. And it's not hard. It's not difficult to do. Just keep trusting Jesus and doing things the way you know that Jesus would do it. Keep smiling. Keep walking by faith. Keep trusting God, living in peace when everybody else is in chaos. Take his word, stand on his word. I think I may have said this to you the last time that I was here, but I would just say to you again, listen, the vast majority of your Christian life is taking this and walking it out. Yeah. That's the vast majority of it. You have to take his word and walk it out. Well, I say keep walking it out. The opportunities will come to you. That's not the time to change and try to be sweet when you're around a believer. Oh, I, I gotta be. I gotta be nice now, Jordan. I gotta be. I gotta be nice because you know. Just, mm. Don't want you. Don't want you to think. Think bad. No, no. This is the overflow of our life. This is. We should be this way all the time. Yeah. So that it's natural. So we're not having to fabricate anything. But but we actually do trust in God. We actually do have faith in God. That we are seizing this moment. We're not wasting any opportunity that we have with people. And I would just say this to you. I, I said this at lunch today with, with, with my friends, and, 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 and I want you to just be careful of this. The gospel that we have is a gospel of proclamation, not a gospel of explanation. You, all you have to do is say it. That's right. You don't have to explain every detail. All you have to do is say, God sent his only son, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4 says this, Christ died. Paul says, I preached the gospel to you, and it was this. Christ died, according to the scriptures. Christ was buried. And Christ rose from the dead, just as the scriptures foretold. And the Bible says anyone that would believe that, 
would receive the gift of eternal life, that you'd be forgiven of all your sins, and that you'd be made right with God. Listen, we don't have to explain everything. I don't know how God reaches into a wretched soul and makes it alive. I don't know. But I know he does. And so our part is to just make the most of the opportunity and be the light. I'd say it to you this way. Be a person who finds a need and meets it. Be someone who finds a hurt and heals it. Be someone who finds someone who's down and lifts them up. Be someone who finds those in darkness and leads them to the light. That's just our part. We're just, we're, we're just the person pointing to Jesus. I'll finish with this. There's a great character in the Bible that doesn't get talked about very much. He was a disciple of Jesus by the name of Andrew. And in the book of John, it records three times these events with Andrew. And all three times, all three times, you can look it up, in all three times in the book of John when it talks about Andrew, it says, and Andrew brought them to Jesus. And Andrew brought him to Jesus. And Andrew brought him to Jesus. Three different scenarios. It's not the same one. You know, we have Peter. He was Andrew's brother. But he got to Jesus because the Bible says Andrew went and got him and brought him to Jesus. We have have the story of the five loaves and the two fish and all the miracles of feeding the 5,000 because the Bible says that the people, that the disciples found this boy and they brought him to Andrew and said, Andrew, what do we do? And it says, Andrew brought the boy to Jesus. (laughs) We have these these, these, uh, foreigners that came that wanted to be around Jesus and the disciples didn't know what to do. And they're like, yeah, they're foreigners. They're not really supposed to be around here. So they go to Andrew. Because here's one thing they clearly understood at this point. Andrew knows how to get people to Jesus. And it says, and Andrew brought them to Jesus. And we don't even talk about Andrew, but I'm telling you, Andrew had some things figured out. And the one thing that he clearly had figured out that we should figure out is we're not the answer, but we know who is the answer. And all we have to do is just bring people to Jesus. Just bring people to Jesus. That's our opportunity. We make the most of the opportunity by bringing people to Jesus. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Thank you. Listen, if, if you are here tonight and you don't know Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to meet him. There's no better way to start your year than to know Jesus. I, that's my opinion. I, 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 say, I say, say yes to him. And here's how you say yes. You put your faith in him. You believe that he died, that he was buried, and he rose from the dead. He came back from the dead, the Bible says, and we believe that. And because we believe that, the Bible says that we're now right with God and have the gift of eternal life and all sins are forgiven. And I just want to say to you, listen, it's your life. This is your one shot. We're not going back. We're only going forward. And I would just say this, when David was anointed king, he didn't go back to the sheep field. He went forward to the sheep field. So if you've got to go back to doing the same thing, let me just say, don't see it as going backwards. See it as going forward. Even if it looks exactly the same, you're still going forward that way. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, 
we invite you to share it with someone in your life. We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also download our app and stay connected to Gates and access to the Word of God anytime you need it. We are believing that the seed of today's word is going deep in your heart and that you always remember God is more than enough in every situation of your life.